Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Yeah, the message is, let's not go out today or tomorrow if, if you don't have the right tires. Snowy, snowy Sunday. Flurries blanket the lower mainland, leaving drivers spinning their wheels. Highway 1 in North Vancouver, a mess, raising the question, did the province's freeway maintenance contractors drop the ball again? Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sarah's off tonight. The warnings were issued days in advance, but that didn't mean we escaped major problems. We have team coverage for you tonight with crews out in the elements and our meteorologists with a look at what happened and what's still to come. We begin with Global's Julie Nolan, live in the Tri-Cities, which received much more than a mere dusting of snow, Julie. Yeah, Jordan, there's no doubt about it. We've been digging out of the white stuff nearly everywhere. And uh, for example, here on the Westwood Plateau and on Berg Mountain, there were 30 centimeters of snow accumulations today. And uh, for many drivers who had to uh, take to the roads, they quickly found out there were significant challenges nearly everywhere they went. Semi-trucks and other vehicles stuck on the North Shore. Emergency crews out to help stranded drivers while maintenance crews try to clear the mess. Detours and closures at the cut and treacherous conditions on Highway 1 westbound between Mountain Highway and Lynn Valley Road. Along with crashes like this one along the Upper Levels Highway. No, it's beautiful. I love it. While many people tried to keep on top of snow removal on sidewalks, the roads in Burnaby were problematic. Parts of Boundary Road were also closed down, vehicles trapped in a slow slide on hills and through the slush. Drivers trying to get places, but Mother Nature has its own plans. Public transit became the choice of travel for many. A pre-planned service disruption at Lougheed Station slowed down service earlier in the day, along with a track issue in Richmond. Though aside from some challenges for buses on hilly terrain, TransLink says routes are largely being serviced. Just be prepared to wait. We really recommend that customers build an extra travel time today and know before they go, check your route before you leave home. That's, that's going to be very crucial. And we're doing everything we can to keep transit moving for our customers. Vancouver's West End not as bad as other areas, yet major arteries still an issue across Metro Vancouver, this time affecting the North Shore in a big way. With the warning, this could be just the beginning. As they say, here we snow again. We uh, are, are back with uh, horrible road conditions, and, and it looks like it's just uh, an appetizer for something bigger to come later this week. Yes, you've been warned, and uh, while crews continue to clear the roads, 
It's uh, still best to stay home or take public transit if you need to. And uh, Environment Canada says if you have to be out, though, make sure to drive to those changing conditions. Back to you. Absolutely. Julie Nolan reporting live tonight. Thanks, Julie. South of the Fraser saw snow, not as much snow. It was enough, though, to trigger at least one major crash. Global's Travis Prasad is live in Surrey with details. Travis, what happened? Yeah, Jordan, uh, it was a serious crash that you just don't see every day. The snow has stopped here for now, but earlier today, this morning, it was coming down hard and the roads were slick. And that's what led to a pileup involving first responders who were just trying to do their job. An ambulance responding to an emergency near 176th Street and 96th Avenue is involved in an emergency of its own when an out-of-control SUV slams into it. Fire crews respond and more chaos ensues when the driver of a semi loses control. Firefighters actually had to like, dive out of the way of a, a semi truck coming down and it struck the rear end of our, uh, our quint. It turns into an eight vehicle pileup, including a minivan that appears to be from California. One civilian and one firefighter are taken to hospital with minor injuries. Nearby residents say this hill proves treacherous every winter. Every time it snows, sometimes only with an inch of snow, people don't know how to drive. And... 50 city trucks are on the streets of Surrey laying salt on the busiest routes. Contracted crews are also helping out. But without a break in the snowfall through the morning, keeping roads clear was a challenge. They were acceptable, but I would have hoped we would have done better since uh, our last uh, snow event last week or a couple weeks ago. So. No road closures were reported. Officials now keeping a close eye on the unseasonably cold temperatures. We will deal with the snow on the, on the roadways. Uh, the problem with the deep freeze is it doesn't go away as quickly as we would like it to. Uh, so we'll just have to play it by ear and we'll deal with it all week until such time as, as we don't have to anymore. Residents are reminded to keep sidewalks free of snow and ice. Jeff Harper is popular on his street using his snowblower to clear the block. We just do the neighborhood and away we go. There's someone else down the street that has one as well, so it's usually a race so you can get to the sidewalks. The snow falling east of Surrey as well, catching some in Maple Ridge by surprise. Well, it's a lot more than I expected, but uh, we'll get through it, I think. I think this will be gone as quick as it comes, I'm hoping. But those with nowhere to be are hoping the winter weather sticks around a little longer. The kids love it. I don't think uh, there's any age that you, you get too old for playing in the snow. With more snow in the forecast, officials are reminding drivers to slow down and make sure they've got snow tires on. Meanwhile, Surrey Fire says that crash this morning could have been a whole lot worse had firefighters not seen that semi sliding towards them. Jordan. Travis Prasad live in Surrey. Thanks, Travis. So how much snow has fallen across the region? For that, let's turn it over to meteorologist Yvonne Schell and a range of numbers there, Yvonne. Yeah, anywhere between 5 and up to 30 centimetres with the highest amounts, Westwood Plateau, so areas where Julie were into the Tri-Cities. New Westminster even getting up to 16 centimetres, North Burnaby 13, Surrey where Travis was, anywhere between 8 to 10 centimetres and a few other spots to note where we did see Pitt Meadows in Vancouver getting up to 7, Ladner 6, out of the airport just 5, 
it. And for Squamish, picking up four centimeters of snow. We've seen most of the snow taper off. We're just going to hang on to a few isolated flurries this evening. We will see those flurries lingering in towards the morning hours. It'll likely be a dry start. Now, the next big weather story that we're following is the extreme cold. We've got that Arctic outflow warning. Most areas into the Fraser Canyon or for Whistler, rather, wind chills into the minus 20s. We'll see that extending in towards the Fraser Valley. A few spots across the province could see the wind chills minus 30 to minus 40. I'll have more on that. And we're not out of the clear just yet. We've got a couple more chances for snow coming up very shortly. Jordan. All right. See you in a few minutes. Thanks, Yvonne. As you've seen, one of the worst routes today was not a city street, but the Trans-Canada Highway. Clearing it is the responsibility of the provincial government's maintenance contractors. Contractors which have already been criticized for their response to the last snowfall in late November. So what happened today? Global's Kristen Robinson went looking for answers. Chaos on the cut. Dozens of vehicles spinning out on Highway 1 near Lynn Valley during Sunday's snowfall. The vital link connecting the east and west side of the District of North Vancouver, a disaster, with firefighters responding to multiple crashes. The cut had to be shut, as well as exits surrounding it. Uh, people did not have the proper tires on. I'm really frustrated. Councillor Jordan Back says the district was well prepared for the snow with eight crews out. He wonders where the province's road maintenance contractors were. We saw the snow event a couple of weeks ago and we saw what happened in other parts of the lower mainland. So it wasn't a surprise that this weather event was coming. Uh, so we expect better. The season's first significant snowstorm turned into a nightmare commute. The Alex Fraser Bridge was impassable. Highway 99, also a mess, with some drivers taking up to 12 hours to get home. Three weeks later, main roads like Highway 1 in Burnaby were still snowy the second time around, while the adjacent Sprott Street overpass was clear. The maintenance contractor was out in full force. Every available piece of equipment was out um, addressing the, the highways, plowing, sanding, restoring traction, and patrolling the corridors. The province is not revealing how many pieces of equipment were at work, but says no amount of preparation can counteract unprepared drivers. We can't control the winter event itself, and we can't control what that condition will uh, entail for driver behavior. That's something that's beyond us, and we try our best to ensure that we're doing as much as possible to make it uh, you know, drivable and safe for the entire traveling public. We've heard from residents. Uh, it's frustrating to see what we saw this morning down at the bottom of the cut. While the mayhem is being blamed on drivers without winter tires, Back says it's time to sit down with the Transportation Ministry's road maintenance contractor to see how they can do a better job of working together. Kristen Robinson, Global News. BC Ferries was on a roll this afternoon, and that's no exaggeration. Fortunately for travelers, most sailings kept a schedule, but it was a rough journey at times. Even the sheltered waters of Howe Sound, where this footage is from, played host to whitecaps. While the weather hasn't caused too many issues for BC Ferries, the company's chronic headache of crew availability resurfaced today. All sailings between Horseshoe Bay and Bowen Island are canceled for the rest of the evening because there aren't enough staff to operate the 462-passenger Queen of Capilano. Its replacement is a 40-person water taxi. 
It is the eve of a very busy travel week at YVR, and given the snow, there are delays and cancellations. Check YVR.ca if you have a flight to catch. In Kelowna, a glance at the arrivals and departures boards at YLW shows almost every airline appears to be affected. WestJet says the extreme cold has caused delays across its network with the late arrival of planes and the delivery of bags. Many passengers have taken to social media to vent their frustration. More now on the deep freeze across the province. An extreme cold weather warning has been issued for Prince George as frigid temperatures are set to arrive and persist through the week. After a couple of weeks of seasonal temperatures, Prince George in northern B.C. will be entering a deep freeze with temperatures dropping to minus 22 and a high of minus 30 expected by next Wednesday. With the mercury set to drop, everyone is reminded to take caution when heading outside as there will be a greater risk of frostbite. So we're about to see a shift to some very cold temperatures through the interior of B.C., including Prince George as Arctic air starts to surge southward. Now, as it arrives, it will be gusty and there could be some light flurries. And so temperatures will start to drop with some stronger wind gusts that'll give wind chill values that make it feel quite cold. And then through the weekend and into next week, we're gonna continue to see this cold air sort of sink south um, we're bringing some really extremely cold temperatures, you know, with the coldest temperatures expected midweek next week, uh, daytime highs around minus 30 and overnight lows dipping even lower than that. Police say speed and alcohol are possible factors in a double fatal crash in Langley. Two people were killed in the high-speed collision near 216th Street and 80th Avenue. It happened around 10 o'clock last night. Langley RCMP say the driver of a Jeep SUV was traveling at an extremely high rate of speed when the vehicle clipped a BMW stopped in the intersection. The Jeep then collided with a Hyundai head-on. The driver of the Jeep and one occupant of the Hyundai died on scene. Another person was taken to hospital in critical condition. A close call at Vancouver's Crab Park encampment this weekend as a tent went up in flames. Smoke could be seen coming from the downtown Eastside Park around 5 p.m. Saturday. Vancouver firefighters say a large tent structure caught fire after candles were left unattended. Fortunately, no one was inside and there were no injuries. As winter approaches, Premier David Eby has promised to end the Crab Park encampment along with the Hastings tent city and get people into proper shelter. Now to a heartbreaking hit and run in central B.C. RCMP say a 37-year-old woman who was pregnant was hit by a vehicle whose driver did not stop. It happened Friday just before 7 p.m. in the area of Highway 97 and Naranda Road, just outside of Prince George. Police say the victim was given first aid by passing drivers and was taken to hospital in serious condition. Her unborn child did not survive the impact. Police are searching for a vehicle that will have damage to the front passenger side, with evidence at the scene pointing to a Ford F-350 truck, possibly a 2014 to 2017 model. The city of Prince Rupert has declared a state of local emergency due to a sudden increase in water main breaks. The mayor says six water mains have burst in the past week, including three on Saturday. Numerous water service lines have burst as well. The mayor points to aging infrastructure and freezing temperatures as the likely cause of the breaks, which have caused millions in damage. With temperatures set to plunge and the city's crews stretched thin, a state of local emergency was declared to open up more resources. The mayor says although it is unlikely, the city's water system could be compromised if more water mains burst.
we, we don't think that's going to happen. So I'm not, you know, I don't want to panic people. Uh, I, 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 but, but depending on what happens, depending on the weather, <laughs> depending on our ability to keep up, um, there is certainly a risk to, uh, to the continuity of water supply uh, and, and uh, it, at least for a period of time, right? The city is asking residents to run their taps at a slow drip to prevent their own pipes from freezing. Residents are also reminded to keep a four liter container of water at all times for emergency purposes. We will have more storm coverage later in the news hour, but up next, who let the wolves out? New information on last summer's escape of more than a dozen wolves from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Also coming up, the first night of Hanukkah and how it's being marked locally. Well, who could forget this? This past summer, the escape of 14 wolves from their enclosure at the Greater Vancouver Zoo in Aldergrove made headlines, with zoo officials and the Conservation Officer Service saying very little about what led to the escape. Tonight, documents reveal more about the suspected vandalism that led to the frenzied response to recover the animals. Kamal Karamali reports. Newly released documents show the flurry of action that took place moments after more than a dozen wolves escaped the Greater Vancouver Zoo in mid-August. Emails, handwritten notes and texts give a behind-the-scenes look at the response by zoo staff, conservation officers and RCMP. In a notepad, one conservation officer writes, Zookeeper originally noticed wolves out at 6.30 in the morning. Fence appeared to be cut. Then begins a fast and furious exchange, trying to find out how many wolves made it off the property, who's responsible for the capture, and debating public safety risks. One member of the Conservation Officer Service suggested the wolves are currently not a public safety risk, to which a government official responded with, do not downplay public risk, please. Conservation officers said the goal was to try and drug them and bring them back to their pens. Notes then highlight the dramatic sequence that followed. Quarter to 10 that morning, go to wolf enclosure, search for wolves. The veterinarian darts one wolf in the dinosaur enclosure. I dart one near tracks near bear enclosure. I dart a second wolf as it ran by me. Conservation officer Ferguson darts it again. Close to 1 p.m., attempt to dart wolf, shot missed. Then just after one, first wolf down. After 2 p.m., a second wolf darted, wolf put in enclosure. By the end of the three-day operation, 12 wolves were captured on site while two made it off zoo property. One was returned safely and the other was hit and killed by a car. One group text chat ended up congratulating all involved in looking like, quote, the good guys and gals on the news coverage. Kamal Karamali, Global News. Straight ahead on tonight's news hour, stranded in Peru, British Columbians caught in that country's political chaos and their struggle to return home. Plus, I want them to feel happy and loved. Later, the sweet surprise sketched out by kids for residents of a senior's home. Some good news for a Metro Vancouver couple stranded in Peru after a harrowing journey to escape Machu Picchu during that country's civil unrest. Tony Hepburn and his wife shot this video of the chaos that erupted when he says their driver in Machu Picchu was attacked for helping them get out. With the train station gates welded shut, the couple joined hundreds of people on a 35-kilometer hike down the tracks. 
They managed to make it to Cusco safely on Saturday. Peru's state of emergency has left thousands of foreign tourists stuck near the ancient city. The arrest of the country's former president earlier this month triggered ongoing political protests. And as a result, rail lines, roads and airports have been closed. Our driver, as he dropped us off, was uh, swarmed and attacked in the middle of uh, the street. So we just got away from that, uh, you know, as quickly as possible, which was a bit nerve wracking. But you can't just drive to the airport and get in, even though it's not that far away, because there's too many uh, blockades and uh, it's just it's just too dangerous right now for for most people to to go. So tomorrow it, it's going to get worse. And we just don't want to be stuck here. The couple says Air Canada has now changed their flight to connect out of Lima tonight. So they are on their way home from what started out as a bucket list trip. Hepburn says they have since received an email from the Mexican consulate, which had arranged a humanitarian flight for Monday. The couple opened those seats up for others. Global Affairs Canada says consular officials are monitoring the situation in Peru closely. One man has been charged after a stabbing in Coquitlam this weekend. RCMP say it happened just after 1.15 Saturday afternoon at a home near Johnson Street and Meadow Vista Place. Two people were stabbed. Both remain in hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. A 25-year-old man has been charged with aggravated assault and remains in custody. Police say the suspect and victims knew each other. In Penticton, a 61-year-old man is in hospital and RCMP are investigating after he was stabbed in the parking lot of a business. Police were called to the 300 block of Martin Street around 5.30 last evening. A witness told them that the victim was sitting in his vehicle when another man approached, stabbed him multiple times and then ran away. Police cordoned off the area and brought in a canine unit, but they didn't find the suspect. RCMP believe it was a targeted attack. The victim is in stable condition. Inflation has more families in need of financial support right now, but it also seems to be prompting others to tighten their purse strings. Kettle donations for the Central Okanagan Salvation Army are down about 20% from last year. I think it could, the decrease in kettles could be partly that people themselves are feeling a pinch in terms of giving, but also that we've had a lot of volunteers uh, get the flu, for example, and have to cancel a shift. So that, that may be contributing as well. The Kettle Campaign is always looking for volunteers. If you'd like to help them out, call or email the Salvation Army. Up next, what you need to know about the snow and cold, including the forecast for tomorrow's commute. We'll have a live report when we come back. You're watching Global BC. Returning to our top story, the snowstorm and now the deep freeze on the south coast. Let's go back to Julie Nolan, live in the Tri-Cities. Julie, the snowfall might be over for some, but not you. I can see it's still coming down a bit there. That's right, Jordan. Yeah, a deep freeze is definitely on the way, and that means you'll need to think about your travel plans locally over the next 12 hours or so. And with snow accumulations like this on Heritage Mountain in Coquitlam, the roads can be treacherous. As we mentioned earlier in the show, 
There have been problems all over Metro Vancouver with the North Shore getting hit particularly hard this time around, along with key arteries. Of course, the main thing many people will need to think about tomorrow is how they will get to work or school. Public transit might be the best option, and TransLink says by and large they are keeping up decent service levels. As well, snow shuttles are being dispatched to hilly areas where buses might have challenges. Whenever there is inclement weather in the forecast, there's a number of people working behind the scenes really hard to keep transit moving for our customers. It's really all hands on deck. We recommend that customers know before they go that they check their route before leaving. And so that means do your research and consider following TransLink on social media and sign up for those transit alerts if you can. And uh, as we mentioned, it's probably not going to get better before the morning. So consider working from home if you can and uh, stay off the roads if possible. Very Back good advice. Yes, that work from home. Many of us have become experts at that by now. Thanks, Julie. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Yvonne Shell once again. So Julie, where she is in the Tri-Cities, still seeing some flakes fall, but a lot of people, as we mentioned, have now seen it. <laughs> Taper Move on out. Taper off and we'll just still hang on to a few isolated flurries, especially overnight and taking us in towards our Monday morning. I'll have more on that forecast in just a moment, but you can see that very spotty on the satellite and radar and the areas that we are tracking that snow. Now the big weather story that we'll be tracking in the next few days will be the temperatures leading in towards our Thursday with the wind chill. Many areas into the northern and central half of the province feeling closer to minus 30 and minus 40. So we've got a deep freeze across the province, the interior, the central regions extending into the southern interior with most areas minus 20 to minus 30 and then along the south coast we'll still see a few spots also at minus 20 to minus 25. With those chilly temperatures the early morning hours I anticipate it will be icy out on the roadways so give yourself that extra time if you do need to commute tomorrow but do bundle up in the coming days. We'll continue to track that wind chill for Metro Vancouver feeling like minus 15. We've got a few breaks in the morning and then through the afternoon we could see some flurries pick up once again and then late towards tomorrow evening and taking us in towards our Tuesdays, we'll see the next potential for some snow and accumulating for many areas. Arctic outflow warning with those out strong outflow winds. We are seeing the wind chills, especially leading in towards Hope. Minus 25 in extreme cold for the central and southern half of the province, interior regions, and along the coast with the wind chill at minus 20. Continuing to see this even in towards our Thursday. So be prepared. Risk of frostbite will be a big concern, and we'll still see accumulating snowfall in the forecast once again. So through the day on Monday, a few breaks in there, isolated flurries, and then that next chance for some snow. I anticipate it'll be overnight taking us in towards our Tuesday. We've got that blast of snow once again throughout much of the southern half of the province. Bundle up for the northern half, inland regions with the wind chill even for the early morning hours, minus 30. We'll see it bump up through the day. Most areas for the central interior, we've got that extreme cold right across the board. We've got some breaks in there if you're traveling along the mountain passes. We have had some snowfall over the weekend, but should taper off just to a few isolated flurries through the day tomorrow. And then it picks up once again by the evening hours. Check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions across the island. Chilly once again, areas inland, Port Alberni just getting up to minus six. Lower mainland, temperatures, the big weather story. We'll continue to track that in the coming days. But the next couple of chances for some snow looks to be on Tuesday. It'll clear out towards the evening hours and then late Wednesday and towards our Thursday. With temperatures bumping up Thursday, Friday, we could see some wet snowfall, so stay tuned. But we're looking on Tuesday and I'm anticipating Wednesday night into Thursday that we'll see the potential for another round of snow and a Accumulating across the board. Jordan. 
Well, that's not how it usually works around here. Usually the snow melts right after it falls. No, I know. It'll yeah. be too cold. So something to keep in mind, if you haven't shoveled already, do get out and do that because yes. it's going to be very chilly and very difficult after that. Help out your neighbors. Thanks, Yvonne. Yes. Millions around the world are marking the first night of Hanukkah. Today's heavy snowfall not stopping the faithful from gathering to light a giant menorah at the Vancouver Art Gallery Plaza in downtown Vancouver. Hanukkah is an eight-day commemoration of the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem by the Maccabees after their victory over the Syrians more than 2,000 years ago. While only enough oil was available to keep the temple candles lit for one day and night, the oil burned for eight days and eight nights, a feat now celebrated as the Jewish Festival of Lights. And a very happy Hanukkah to all of our viewers who celebrate. Barry DeLay joins us now and talk about an exciting finish to the World Cup, Barry. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, they're saying maybe the best World Cup final ever. A lot of times in these finals, teams play kind of cautious because there's so much on the line. That was not the case today, and maybe a great uh, way to go out for Lionel Messi. He at 35, his last World Cup for sure, and uh, a lot of people in the soccer world wanted to see him uh, win it, and he did. So um, many of you have already seen the highlights, but they're the kind of highlights you like to see again and again. Yeah. We've got that coming up, and unfortunately, we have to talk about the Canucks from last night, too. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was not a celebration, so All right. that is well. But you'll start with the good news. Yes, we'll start good. Like that. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, Barry. Also coming up on the news hour, supporting Afghan refugees. While the federal government is being urged to lift the cap on private sponsorships and the accusations of a double standard. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us, when BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Advocates across Canada are ramping up calls for Ottawa to do more to support Afghan refugees. A recently launched program for private sponsor applications has quickly filled up. It is a crushing blow to those helping vulnerable Afghans with no other option. And as Nitu Garcha reports, some say there's a double standard. I don't want to have the fear of losing my family. It's very scary. Ray Azimi is an Afghan-Canadian desperate to help her relatives currently stuck in Turkey after what she says were direct threats from the Taliban. They've left their jobs behind. They've worked in the Afghanistan government um, and they cannot go back because their lives are in danger. The, um, it's a constant fear of getting deported. Sophia Hamayun is also a Canadian citizen with relatives, including a former journalist who escaped to Tajikistan shortly after the Taliban takeover. She's also an immigration consultant. This particular case shook me so much. She says in one case, the brother of an Afghan interpreter who helped the Canadian military was deported back to Afghanistan because of a technicality. He left in June of 2021 instead of July. He's living in hiding. We don't know if he's dead or alive. So, you know, we have countless cases like this. Hamayun says she knows Canada can't help every vulnerable Afghan, but she believes the Canadian government's treatment of them highlights a double standard. We have resettled, um, I believe it's 100, 128,000 Ukrainians and 400,000 applications have been approved. Um, and when we look at the Afghan resettlement um, that we have, that we have uh, brought into Canada from August 2021 until present, it's the number is only 26,000. 
The federal government has multiple streams of applications available for private sponsors to apply for Afghans who don't have official refugee status. Sources tell Global News the latest stream launched in October filled up within hours. It was capped at only 3,000 Afghans, unlike similar programs for Syrians in 2015. Do we need to, God forbid, see another Alan Kurdi on the shore in order for us to realize the depth of the, Syri of the Afghan refugee crisis? Why is the Afghan faced with this kind of differential treatment? I don't get it. It's a mystery to me. And the government must lift the cap to bring people to safety. NDP immigration critic Jenny Kwan says the average processing time for privately sponsored refugees is four years. I continue to receive uh, ongoing uh, emails uh, and contacts from people to say, I served Canada. We're not giving up on these folks. Uh, the challenges that exist inside the country are like nothing that we've ever seen on any resettlement initiative. The federal immigration minister says the door is open for increasing the caps on various sponsorship streams. We need to be the advocate for change as well. And those like Azimi are urging the Canadian public to join them in their plea to urge the government to make the necessary changes now. Neetu Garcha, Global News. Next, a thrilling wrap to the World Cup. The rush, the nerves, the cheers and moans as British Columbians take in what's being called the greatest final ever. From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Support Covenant House Vancouver and triple your impact. Donate today and your gift will be matched for three times the impact to help with food, shelter, life skills training, and mental health care for youth overcoming homelessness. Head to BC Place to see Grammy Award-winning musician Ed Sheeran. Catch him in Vancouver on the Mathematics Tour on September 2nd with special guests Khaled and Macy Peters. Tickets and info online. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by the BC Cancer Foundation, launching the most ambitious health campaign in BC's history. Together, we will go beyond belief. The early morning kickoff, well, early for Sunday, to today's World Cup final did not deter local soccer fans. Yes, absolute jubilation at Mango's Kitchen Bar in Vancouver following a nail-biting victory by Argentina over France at this year's final of the World Cup from Qatar, uh, Qatar pardon me, Argentinian fans jumping up and down and screaming after their team nabbed the country's third World Cup title. And you can tell who's a soccer fan around here because they're the people who are speaking very quietly right now. They've lost their voice uh, after that. Well, they could, I was going to say, they could still be partying. Yeah, that's they very could true. Be for it. I'm sure it's like a national holiday in Argentina. <laughs> yeah. This is bigger than uh, 10 Stanley Cups mm -hmm. down there. It's absolutely huge. So, all right, I was going to say, we could run five minutes of highlights, or we could have, but we are restricted by times. That's why it won't be as much as we'd love to show you, but it was still awesome. All right, thanks, Jordan. At age uh, 35, Lionel Messi has pretty much won everything individually and club-wise in his brilliant soccer career. The only thing missing, a World Cup trophy. But today in Qatar, Messi put on a master class, scoring two big goals and leading Argentina over France in what many are calling the greatest World Cup final game in history. 
French superstar Kylian Mbappe matching Messi with his brilliance in this World Cup. Second half, it was 2-1 Argentina after Mbappe had just scored from the penalty spot. He equalizes. France had really been out of it, didn't have a lot of energy. A flu is running through the team, but two great goals to tie it. It goes to extra time, and it's Messi who scores his second of the game. This does go over the line. Initially, they called the goal offside, but after a review, it was good. So it's 3-2. They're just minutes from the trophy, but a late handball gave Mbappe another chance from the spot and he converts again. What a classic final. We need penalties. Messi in his first attempt, he scores. So cool as uh, Mbappe also scored for France. But the French would miss twice in their first three shots. That one pulled wide. That means Gonzalo Montiel can win it for Argentina. He does. And finally, Messi can finish off his trophy case with the biggest one of all as Argentina win their first World Cup since Maradona in 86. Messi was named the player of the tournament. Mbappe won the golden boot with his eight goals to Messi's seven. We will spare you the highlights of last night's 5-1 Canucks loss to the Jets, mostly because there were no highlights for the Canucks. The Canucks were out of this game shortly after the anthem. Never looked ready from the get-go. It was another curious no-show with a chance to get over the 500 mark. And yet another flatline performance on home ice where their record is just 5-8-1. Obviously want to be a team that's hard to, hard to play against at home and um, clearly we, we're not right now. And um, you know, we stayed in here, say the same things. You know, we go to Colorado and Calgary and Vegas and these buildings and play really good hockey and um, just got to find a way to do it here. It's more frustrating watching our team sometimes when you can go from great to what, whatever tonight was. You know, I mean, uh, uh, I thought, and you try to build them up, you told them how good they played in Calgary and we did an awful lot of good things. And then we come here and it's not even the same team. So. It's hard to understand sometimes. They are a head scratcher. They host St. Louis tomorrow night. Meanwhile, Jets right back in Seattle tonight. First period, they'll get on the board off the power play. Josh Morrissey, what a year he's having on the Jets blue line. They're talking Norris Trophy candidate. Great heads-up slap pass to Mark Scheifele. That's his 19th. Second period, though, the Kraken will tie it. Jordan Eberle, the former Oilers, spins and fires the backhander past David Riddick, but the Jets have regained the lead. It's 2-1 late second. All right, NFL Sunday, Buccaneers and Bengals from Tampa Bay. All Bucks in the first half. Tom Brady, a quick pass to Chris Godwin, who takes it in for the touchdown. Tampa Bay led 17-0, but it was all Bengals in the second half, thanks in part to four Buccaneer turnovers. Joe Morrow to Tyler Boyd for the touchdown here, and Cincinnati had its first lead 20-17, to 17. and then in the fourth quarter, Burrow and the Bengals put this one to bed. It's his fourth touchdown pass of the game, hits Jamar Chase from eight yards out, or he did have four touchdown passes. Bengals beat the Bucks 34-23, Cincy now 10-4. Bucks are 6-8, but they still lead the very weak NFC South. Chiefs and Texans, Kansas City with a chance to clinch a playoff spot with a win, but the Texans didn't make it easy. Houston takes the lead in the third. Davis Mills fires a touchdown strike to Jordan Akins. 12-yard score, 21-16 Texans in front. Houston has the worst record in the NFL at 111-1, but they played the Chiefs tough. You knew the Chiefs would answer. It's Patrick Mahomes doing it himself. Races for the corner, just in for the touchdown. And this game would end up going to overtime, tied 24-24. In OT, it's the Chiefs' Jarek McKinnon who puts this one away quickly and suddenly. 
goes right up the gut, a 26-yard game-winning touchdown, and the Chiefs clinch the AFC West Division 30-24 the final. They are 11-3. Cowboys and Jaguars from Jacksonville, plenty of offense. Jags were down 17, but Trevor Lawrence, 59 yards to Zay Jones. Jags would roar back to eventually take the lead, but Dak Prescott and the Cowboys come back. Dak with the little spin move, and then he will find Noah Brown, 13-yard touchdown. This game would also need overtime. In OT, Prescott firing over the middle, and it's tipped into the hands of Rayshon Jenkins, and he will take it all the way back. Just got that one before it hit the turf. It's a 52-yard pick six, and the Jags shock the Cowboys 40-34. Dallas now 10-4, virtually no chance to catch the 13-1 Eagles now atop the NFC East. Lions and Jets, Detroit making a big push for the playoffs. They've won five of their last six, late fourth. Fourth and inches, they need a first down to keep their hopes alive, and they do that and more. Jared Goff to Brock Wright, wide open. It's his first catch of the game. Not content with the first down. The big man takes it 51 yards for the touchdown. Detroit started the season 1-6. and six. They're now 7-7 seven and seven after the 2017 win, and they are still alive for a playoff spot. And we'll end with a bizarre finish to the Patriots. Raiders tied in the final seconds. Patriots running a draw play basically to kill the clock. No timeouts left. Too far away for a field goal attempt, but someone forgot to tell the players they start laddering the ball, and then Jacoby Myers throws it all the way back for his QB, but it's picked off by Chandler Jones, who takes it in for the winning touchdown, if you can believe it. Bill Belichick ain't going to like that as Vegas deals a serious blow to the Patriots' playoff chances. NBA tonight, Raptors in Golden State. Warriors without their sharpshooter, Steph Curry, who hurt his shoulder earlier this week. Raptors dug themselves a big hole. Fred Van Vliet trying to get them out of it. Makes the uh, basket and the foul, a three-point play. But Jordan Poole, a one-man wrecking crew for Golden State, takes it strong, goes high off the glass. What a shot there. And then in the fourth, Poole will hit the three-pointer. Steph Curry and the Warriors love that. Poole led the way with 43. Warriors hand the Raptors their fifth straight loss, 126-110. That should be Final round of the PNC Championship, Tiger Woods and his 13-year-old son Charlie with the spotlight on as usual. Fifth hole, this is Charlie for Eagle. It's a two-man scramble, so they take the best shot. Both take a shot, and uh, what a putt there from Charlie. Tiger's a pretty good putter, too, but he's been going uh, first in this tournament, and he doesn't quite get it right. So Charlie's turn now from the same spot, and he rolls it in. Maybe he's getting a little better than Dad. The uh, Woods finished tied for eighth amongst the 20 teams at 20 under par. It was the team of Vijay Singh and his son Cass who ended up winning the tournament. This is Cass from 250. Now, the guy is uh, in the accounting business, but he obviously plays a lot of golf with his clients because look at that shot <laughs> to within five feet. They would make that for Eagle, and the Singhs win the PNC championship at 26 under par. Pretty good shot for an mm -hmm. insurance guy. Good stuff. All right, thanks, Barry. Someone who made the most of today's snow. You'll see the video next. This is BC with Jay Durant, who's brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways. BC owned and operated for 75 years. Sending a Christmas card is a simple gesture that can bring great pleasure. The owner of a local online card company wanted to provide that gift to a group of retirement home residents in Powell River, but 
needed a lot of help to make it happen. Here's Jay Durant with tonight's This is BC. When Jessica Wilson had the idea to create a little more Christmas cheer in Powell River, she turned to a group that was guaranteed to deliver. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays! I feel like kids are absolute experts in spreading joy. So I came to them for help. And all the kids, they agreed with me and they nodded their heads yes. <laughs> Two schools, several different classrooms, dozens and dozens of little elves. A whole team crafting Christmas cards to send to residents at retirement communities around the city. I said, dear friend, I hope you have a magical Christmas. I say, I hope I make your day feel special. They understand that maybe they're lonely, maybe they're disconnected from their families, and maybe they can bring um, cheer and hope. This assignment got their full attention. Cards with greetings and art that came right from the heart. I want them to feel happy and loved. It makes you feel like you're actually helping. Sometimes when they go in a care home, uh, they don't really see their family much. Oh. Christmas tree with a big star on top. Delivery to Coastal Breeze Village came as a nice surprise for many of the residents. Thank you for being yourself and bringing so much happiness into the world. My heart is like, we need to do this. Yeah. This is so special. in there too. Oh, isn't that lovely? I feel really loved because I don't have any grandchildren. Yeah. And I think that's really, really nice yeah. and thoughtful of them. It's a little project that's making a big difference for many people this year. It was really beautiful how thoughtful and how much care they put into it. Wilson was right. The holiday spirit is very strong in here. These kids are the experts. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you have a story for Jay, email thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Well, one last story about today's snowstorm, one we hope will make you smile. Yes, North Vancouver resident Sam McLeod sent us this video. While the heavy snow created headaches for many drivers, some people decided to make the best of the situation. Here is Sam skiing down his street this morning. Of course, others made their way to local mountains, but Sam decided to save a trip and simply carve up the fresh snow that had fallen on his neighborhood street. He's got the idea. <laughs> How does he get back up? Is, is my yeah, no chair. Gets extra steps in. Yeah. Gets extra steps in lugging his gear. They put a chairlift in in uh, North Van. He could use a rope tow or something. Yvonne, <laughs> that snow is sticking around, but it'll be pretty icy tomorrow. Yeah, very chilly out there with the wind chill overnight. Tonight we're down to minus 15. Do keep that in mind for the early morning hours. As we get in late tomorrow and in towards our Tuesday, another round of snow. I'm highlighting Tuesday and then late day Wednesday, changing over to rain on Thursday so far. All right, a busy week for you. Thanks very much for watching tonight's news hour. We'll be back at 11. Hope you can join us then. Good night.